Esther, something real quick. Bam. We're live. I wonder if you're showing up that pixelated on YouTube. I, I, I'll, oh, that's a good, can you check that? Yeah, I'm checking hey, right uh, now. I'm going to do what? What do I go to? Speedtest.net. God, I love this. Right, watching right. all these little numbers go round and shit. Hey, you know, if you put the cursor over the uh, view number with the eyeball, it tells you where they're all viewing from too. I oh, it does. Helps. Yep, we had a, like two people on Facebook or something like that. Actually, you look okay on YouTube. Okay, cool. And, and I'm running a speed test now. My my ping is 11. Who knows ping stuff? And my uh, yeah, my good. download is three twenty seven. I guess it's my upload that's important. And my upload is eleven. Who knows? Is that good? Hey, I'm putting my cursor over the eyeball, and, and yep. it doesn't tell me shit. <clears throat> really? Where it says three? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Oh, that's cool. It doesn't register Twitter, but we are live on Twitter every time. That is really really cool. It, no one watches this show on Twitch or on Facebook. Well, I shouldn't say no one, but very few. Yeah, very few. I was going to say, we have had a couple people watching from before. It's probably an accident. They left their computer on. Yeah. Guys, uh, today we have uh, Dalton Rasta on. R-O-S-T-A, Dalton Rasta. Before we start, I, I, someone said in the comments, um, I was happy when Sevon brought up uh, in the OPT, was it the OPT episode or Adam uh, Neifer, but that I brought up the sender, gender sexing again. And I just wanted to tell you guys something really quick about that. I don't give a shit about gender or sex. It's the fact of the usage of fucking what words really mean. Definitions matter. And the reason why this country is in the situation is, is it's in is two reasons and two reasons only. Because we live in a fucking idiocracy where people use words when they don't know what they mean. And so they conflate reality, their thoughts thoughts in their head versus what's really going on in the outside world. You can't do that. You make the rest of us seem stupid. And then the other thing, people aren't raising their kids. And so that's why I bring up those two subjects. Damn it. Dalton Rasta saw one of my temper tantrums and we just made it. <laughs> but, we, but we're having over 110, 120,000 downloads on iTunes every single week. Uh, so someone cares about the message and we're killing it on YouTube and it's been growing steadily for three months and uh, the sponsors are piling in and we're getting insane guests like Dalton Rasta. So the title of this show should be called jump on the bandwagon. Now I brought you Jack, uh, De La Magdalena from Australia. Uh, I, you got to get on that bandwagon. Um, and you got to get on, uh, Dalton Rasta. And so we're going to give a talk to him now. And if, if you, uh, if you don't jump on the bandwagon after this show, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Dalton, what's up, brother? What's up, man? How are you doing? Just all fired up. I, can tell. <laughs> I, I, I left the door open to my office last night, and it's not attached to my head. So I, or to my head, it's not attached <laughs> to my house. And so I came in here this morning, and it's freezing. Well, California freezing, probably like fifty degrees in here. Yeah. Well, I'm thankfully I'm not in PA because it's like thirty there. Oh, yeah. Because you're with American, American Top Team in, in South Florida, so big change. Dude, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. How how just really quickly for people who don't know, he um I think his total fighting career, he's eleven and zero. As a pro, he's five and zero. Is is that correct? Twelve and zero. I'm so sorry. Was uh, two was two fifty six your twelfth win? 
Yes, I was seven and zero as an amateur in MMA, uh, seven and zero as an amateur in boxing, and five and zero as a pro in MMA. Okay, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. Um, your boxing's your boxing's sick. I went back and looked at your old boxing fights. What I could find on YouTube. Yeah, I think there's only like one on YouTube. So I mean, most of those they're just USA boxing events, amateur events. Nobody really cares about them. So oh, it's a great fight. The one I saw, it's outdoor. Yeah, it was at the Lawrence County Fair. It's actually where I'm from. Uh, my high school is straight across the street, and uh, essentially, it's just a fair. They have a, a grandstand in the back, and like three years in a row, they did a boxing event there. One of the guys, one of the boxing gyms down in uh, downtown Newcastle, decided to put on an event there, and I actually took that fight on like two days' notice. So they called me up like two days before, said somebody pulled out. And I said, sure. It's like right in my backyard. I was training. So I took it and uh, ended up being really good fight. And uh, a lot of people showed up from my hometown. Obviously, it was 10 minutes away. And uh, pretty the funny thing about it, I wasn't even the main event. I was a co-main event. And there were still two heavyweights that had the box after me. After I got done and after I got that knockout, the whole entire grandstand cleared out. It was completely packed. After my fight, there was still another fight left. And you could probably count on both hands how many people were left after that. Well, it's probably one of the most technical fights that they've ever had at a, like a, at, at a fair. It was it was it was it was solid. With the 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 shitty part is is it took me like at least half a round to figure out who is who because you guys are wearing headgear and it's so far away. And I go, God, I hope that's Dalton that's winning. I hope that's Dalton. <laughs> and then I would hear people like cheering in the crowd. I'm like, okay, that must be Dalton. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that's another thing about amateurs. You have to wear headgear. You also have to shave your beard. And I think we were both wearing black. So he was a little bit bigger, but I don't remember if they announced it or not in the video who was who. So You don't seem to care if they're bigger. Mm-mm. That, no, the last fight uh, kid I fought was like six foot three. So That was I mean, Robinson? Yeah, uh, no, Tony Johnson. Tony Johnson. Yeah. It's part of the game, though, bro. In the weight class I'm in, there's a, there's a lot of taller people. You know, I'm only six foot tall. There's guys that get six three, six four. You know, and uh, that's part of the reason why I moved down from light heavyweight, which I was fighting at at first. Those guys get six five, six six. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, light heavyweight is two hundred five. Correct me if I'm wrong. And you're now yeah. in the one eighty five, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, that guy. Um, the what did I call him? To- uh, Tony. What's his name? Tony Johnson. You said. I think you said Tony Robinson. Right. Okay. He's either way. Uh, He looked, (laughs) yeah, it said you were six foot and he was six two and he looked definitely taller. His arms were crazy. The distance from his elbow to his fingertips were nuts. Yeah. He had like a 78 inch reach too. And he was uh, actually 10 and one as a professional boxer. I think he was nine and one or nine and two in MMA and then 10 and one as a professional boxer. So he was a really good boxer as well. And he trains just over – he trains – I live about um, – this is Matt, by the way. Matt, Dalton, Dalton, Matt. What's up, man? Dalton, nice to meet you, brother. You too. Ma- Matt lives about 70 or 80 miles uh, north of me. I'm in, I'm in uh, Santa Cruz, California, and right in between us I think is where um, Tony trains. He trains in San Jose? Yes, at uh, American Kickboxing Academy. Okay. Yeah, and he's got – I mean he's got killers there. Yeah, Daniel Cormier, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov, Luke Rockhold. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. There's a lot of good guys there. 
Yeah, that's a that's a great win for you. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, uh, something happened, I guess. In the, well, I, you did something to him that made him basically gun shy the, the entire fight. Did you know what that is? Like early on, did you did you punch him? Did you take? Was he afraid you were going to take him down? Didn't he seem like at some point like he's like, oh shit, I don't want to get close to Dalton. Uh, honestly, kind of every fight is like that. You know, I have a lot of power. I've, I've, I knocked everybody out as an amateur, knocked my first three opponents out as a pro. Um, I mean, same thing with boxing. You saw the boxing match online. Uh, so I I don't know if I touched him with a big shot early or if it's just part of the game plan that his coaches drew up, like, you know, get on your bicycle until he tires out. Cause there's a lot of people that think I'm going to tire out as well. And then, uh, then take your shot whenever he tires. But I, I really never tired. I did in the third round, but it was too little too late for him. And uh, also, he was probably just trying to avoid a big punch. So um, he's, he knows he's a taller guy. He knows I have to come forward to him. And uh, that's usually my fighting style anyways. I'm more of a pressure fighter. I'm always coming forward. And uh, he was probably trying to draw me into a trap as well. He also, uh, I don't know if you watched any of his fights before that, he fought – Joe Schilling, who was a world champion, glory world champion kickboxer, and he knocked Joe Schilling out. Joe Schilling, like, threw a switch elbow. He, like, switched stances and threw an elbow at the same time. And uh, Tony kind of covered up, caught the elbow, and then threw a left hook and knocked him out, like, clean out. And uh, Joe just crumbled. And uh, it's probably might be what he was trying to catch me with because I come in hard with my right hand. And if you figure he can get over my right hand, him being taller as well. Could have did the same thing. So that's the one big thing I was trying to avoid, but I didn't change my game plan at all besides that. Yeah, well, congratulations. There was As I dug around, I think I, I watched everything I could find on you on YouTube, and I, and I read a bunch of stuff. There's a, a, a statement you say in there that in your first five fights you were having trouble finding fights or that people would accept fights and then not show up. And I got a couple questions around that, but am I representing that accurately? Yes. Um, why is that is that just pe- people would why do people accept the fight and then pull out outside of injury why not just like do their research ahead of time and be like nah this guy's not a good match for me uh, some do so i had trouble finding fights because people they'd be off of the fight and the next thing you know they wouldn't take it or in instances like uh for example my my third fight i went through like five or six fighters before i actually got an opponent that signed the contract um now, my fourth fight, whenever I fought Ty Gorder, I was originally supposed to fight a guy named Andre Petrovsky, who's in the UFC now. But at the time, he was 5-0. and He was fighting for the LFA. They offered them the, offered him the fight. Like two weeks went by. They said that he said yes. And then next thing you know, never got the fight. So after that, they, were, they offered me Romero Cotton, who is also signed to Bellator. He's also 5-0 and right now. He's ranked ninth right above me. And this was before the rankings, before Bellator brought the, brought the rankings. And um, long story short, he took the fight, just like you said, and he ended up pulling out. I don't, I don't remember how much longer or how much later it was, two, three days after he signed the contract. Fight was finalized. He pulled out. So that's when I ended up with Ty Gorder, who, in my opinion, was probably my toughest fight anyways because his versatility striking, he was a good kickboxer, explosive, you know, had knockout power as well. Whereas somebody like Romero Cotton, uh, you know, he doesn't have bad striking. He's athletic, but he's definitely a wrestler. He shoots every fight. He's very predictable. And it's, it's very, he's very one dimensional. 
you know. Uh, I think he has a knockout on his record with knees, but uh, against a sloppy guy. So that's kind of the predicament that I find myself in. And it's it, it happens pretty often. So this past fight with Tony Johnson was the only fight ever that never went to uh, or never went to the point where I was getting offered multiple opponents or multiple people pulling out and then me having to accept a fourth or fifth opponent. Tony Johnson was the person, first person to uh, be offered the fight and he took it. Um, is that, does that suck when people pull out or at this point, is it a compliment? H- how do you like emotionally, intellectually, and, and like, I guess, training wise react to that? You know, I, I don't really take it as a compliment because it makes it harder for me at the end of the day, because, um, generally you have an eight week fight camp where you're preparing for a specific person. You know, you, you watch film on them. At least I do, you know, some fighters claim that they don't watch film. Either they're saying it's trying to sound cool or they really don't. And they're stupid. You know, you should be watching film on your opponent. You should see what he does. You get a feel for whenever you see it during the fight. All right. I saw this on tape. I, we made a game plan for this. I'm supposed to do X, Y, Z as soon as he does this. But I mean, that's what I do. And whenever an opponent switches up you four or five times and you switch the camp four or five times, and then you have two weeks to prepare for the final opponent, it makes things a little tougher. You know what I mean? On both people, on my opponent and myself, but uh, essentially I would, I would like eight week fight camp to drop a game plan for somebody. You know what I mean? Whereas Tony Johnson, that's the longest fight camp I've ever had since I've been with Bellator. And that was five weeks, you know, which still, I mean, obviously turned out in my favor, but, realistically and ideally i would like an eight-week camp to prepare some for somebody like that and you said some harsh words in some interviews like hey man like you're complaining your back hurts like i hurt my back three times in this camp and you pulled out for this and it's like yeah it's it's weird as a as a fight fan i i always wonder like recently luke rockhold pulled out of that fight with um herniated this with strickland right yes so before you go any further on that, please. Yeah, please. I, I, I made the comments about the back and yes. I've had back issues my entire life. SI yes. joints just thrown out my lower back. You know, my back stiffened up on me where I have to take two, three, four days off. Uh, and then I would get back to training, you know, most of the time before my back even feels fully healed. Uh, granted, if you have a fight coming up, you're two, three, four weeks away, you know, you can get through that. Kind of with Tony Johnson, I did the same thing. You know, I hurt my back probably two separate times. And I just took a day or two off, trained through it. Now, after my fight, I found out I had two herniated discs in my lower back, L4 and L5S1. And because I trained through it, never let it heal, I ended up developing sciatica. And it put me out, it sidelined me for three months. I was out after my fight for three months before I could start training again. So and no training, no, no running, not even fucking walking. I couldn't even walk for five minutes. If I walked for five minutes, you know, my whole leg went numb. I was in severe pain. I couldn't sit, none of that. So, uh, you know, part of that's the fighter mentality in me that does that. And yeah, if I was two, three weeks out from a fight, if I hurt my back, even if I'm getting sciatica, which I started with the Tony Johnson fight, I thought I hurt my hamstring too, but it was really sciatica the whole entire time. I got through it and I fought, but after the fight, I was out for three months. So if, if you're being smart, if you have somebody smart in your corner, you know what I mean? Uh, 
your coaches, your camp, your manager, whatever. Uh, it depends long-term goal or short-term goal, you know? So some people, all right, I hurt my back. I'm going to take off. I, I can fight later this year. F it. You know, where it's like me, I'm like, all right, I already have this fight in place. Hundreds of people are already coming to, to watch me. I'm not pulling out. You know what I mean? So that's why I continue to fight. Some other fighters might not do the same thing. But if you're asking me if I still think they're a pussy for doing it, then yes. <laughs> um, Dalton, I don't mean this. Uh, I, I mean, this is a sincere question. I, I often talk about what it's like being a 16 to 35 year old male that basically like if you don't keep the, the I, I was dry. I was in Kenya one time and I was driving and there was this group of young men on the corner. And my buddy goes, hey, when you see that, you know, a country's in trouble. I go, what do you mean? He goes, you can never leave. 16 to 35 year old men to their own accord they have to be kept busy and when he, my friend said said that i was like holy shit yeah i remember like you have 10 boys 12 years old standing at a bus stop waiting for the bus someone's gonna throw a rock then someone's gonna be like i can throw it farther then someone's gonna be like i can hit that bird and then someone's gonna be like hey i can hit that car next thing you know you're throwing rocks at cars and no one knows why you know it's just like that's what boys do um this seems like it kind of falls into that category you're this tw you're 26 yeah, just turned 26. Yeah, you're this 26-year-old fucking bulldozer, and uh, you, you only have one gear, right? Go. And, and unless something happens like sciatica or you have someone in your corner who's like, hey, dude, it's time to park the bulldozer for a minute, that you don't you do not do that. Mm -mm. And, like, and your fights kind of show that. Hey, your training, your body, your, your post-fight interviews, there is no – there are no kinks in you. In your mentality, your confidence, your demeanor, your—I mean, I mean—you're just everything is just every. It's all consistent. This guy's going from point A to point B. There's nothing going to stop him unless you turn. Like you can't stop you. Exactly, man. And I, I feel like, especially nowadays, everything's everybody's going soft. You know, every sport, including MMA. And there's a lot of people, like like I said, we just went over uh, pulling out because they hurt their back a couple weeks before a fight. You know, big difference from being put out for three and a half months. But uh, football, MMA, everybody's they're, they're just going soft. It's just as simple as that. And uh, for some for a sport as brutal as MMA, that that's not something you should see. Um, I want to I want to visit that um, if you have any examples of what you mean by going soft. But in one of the interviews, you said you don't touch gloves. Yeah. So my first fight or two, I did, I believe. I, actually, I don't even know if I did my first fight. My second fight, I remember I did. And I just felt, you know, you could say it's cliche or whatever if you want, but I just felt weird the entire fight. You know what I mean? Like and, it wasn't true to who you are? Like, hey, yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah, Why yeah, did I do that? You know? And I'm, I'm out there trying to show, show respect, you know, um, whether it was my coaches or my manager or whatever, say, this is, this is what the people want to see. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, fine. I'm go do it. It's good publicity, good PR, whatever. And I went out and did it. Didn't feel right to me and from that point forward. You know, I didn't do it. I didn't do it much as I don't think I ever did it as an amateur either. I mean, I may be wrong, but I don't think I ever did. And the, the point is, is I'm going in there to, we're locking ourselves in a cage, two men locking ourselves in a cage and trying to take each other's heads off. And if it, if it weren't for the ref, somebody would die in there. You know what I mean? You're turning a kill switch on 
and you have two men locked in the cage going at it, trying to take each other's head off. It gets competitive. And then on top of that, it ends up getting personal a lot of the time uh, with the press conferences, with talk, sh- shit talk and everything beforehand. And if the ref weren't there, you know, somebody's l- legitimately die. And this, like I said, this is this sport's not for the faint of heart. And even this sport, like I said, is getting soft, but I, I'm not going to be one of those people that are getting soft. And my whole goal in, is to go in there and take somebody's head off. So at the end of the day, I, I don't want to be your friend before the fight. You know, uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be your friend at weigh-ins. I don't want to be your friend at the press conference. I don't want to be your friend as soon as we get in the cage. And I don't want to be, be your friend when we're supposed to touch gloves, you know, we can save all that, all that for after. When does that, when does that mentality start? Like right away when you hear about the fight of your fighting, are you already locked into that individual and you're getting into that headspace, or is it something that you're always, it's always right underneath the surface? No, it's as soon as, as soon as I get the name, uh, and before you, the contacts or the contracts even signed, you know what I mean? So that's why for me, it, it, it's really disappointing when somebody pulls out. I get a name put in front of me and I'm locked on right away. You know, I'm constantly thinking about the person. I'm constantly, whenever I'm training, before training, after training, you know, uh, every moment of that fight camp, I'm thinking about that person. What's he doing? What am I doing? How can I make sure that I'm not being outworked? And on, on fight day, what can I do to make sure I don't, that I come out of here with my hand raised? Is there a certain level of anxiety that builds up a little bit prior to seeing your um, opponent in person? Because I imagine when you have so much focus on that, there's a certain amount of like tension that has built up. And does that happen right away when you see them in person or is it like the cage door locked and then you really get in with them? So this is a hard, this is a hard one to answer. Like people always ask me all the time, do you get nervous? Like what feelings go through, through your head before the fight? whatever. Um, you know, I feel like at the weigh-ins and in the cage, it's kind of the same, same feeling for me. You know what I mean? It's, uh, I don't want to say anxiety, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah. Anxiousness, if you will, and excited energy. Yes. And like, I don't feel, you know, comfortable until we're in that cage and the first punch is thrown. You know what I mean? I thought you were going to say, I don't feel comfortable talking about it. Fuck off. Don't ask me that again. (laughs) I was hoping, I was hoping you were going to say that. Uh, And Colin, Susie ain't holding shit together. Fuck off. Switch the station. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Someone's saying Matt's doing a bit, holding the show together. Okay. Sorry. Back to your feelings, Dalton. Sorry. Um, I mean, it's actually like the whole and build up, build up the whole anticipation, everything. It it makes you anxious, nervous, whatever, whatever you want to say, you know, but um, none of that goes away until the first punch is thrown, whether it's him throwing it, me throwing it, me landing, him landing, whatever. It doesn't go away. Even when you're in the cage staring across from him, it's like, I want to take this dude's head off. Come on. Bell, Bell needs a ring now. Bell needs a ring now. You yeah. know, like, let's just get out after all, even the walk down, the warm up. It's like, I just want to get in the cage and fight right now. Right. You know? And uh, none of that goes away until, like I said, the first punch is thrown. It's, it's a weird feeling. It's hard to describe. And uh, I mean, that's the best way I could describe it. But even I feel like when I describe it like that, it's still not doing uh, it justice. Like it's not what I'm thinking in my head. 
Susan, something's wrong with your mic, buddy. Uh, when I, maybe you've you've chosen the wrong mic on the settings on the computer, like it's still using your computer mic instead of your microphone. But oh, check it out. Um, uh, Dalton, don't tell him nothing's really wrong with his mic. I just said that so he would get distracted, and I can. Take <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. Something is wrong with your mic. Um, Dalton, that that feeling you just described. Two questions. One, it, do you ever start like sh- like literally not shaking like in fear, but like feel yourself like vibrating? And then two. Does that feeling, is it anywhere else in your life? Like the first time you kissed a girl, the, you know, when you're about to sit down and take a test in school, like, is that feeling anywhere else in life or is it unique to fighting? Out of all things you said, first time you kissed a girl. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, spot on, buddy. No, no. <laughs> this is the furthest thing from it. Furthest okay. Okay. But, uh, the only similar feeling I ever got was with wrestling. You know, wrestling matches or boxing matches. I mean, they're both combat sports, but uh, even with street fights, you know, I like you said, you start shaking or whatever. You ask, you start shaking. I've been in street fights, you know, where like before, before when I know something's about to pop off and I'm about to get in a fight or something's getting like super, somebody gets super close, something's, I, I know I'm in a bad situation, you know, like I start, I might start shaking a little bit, you know, yeah, control, I can't control it, you know, I know something, it's like your adrenaline. Uh, kicking in or something but yeah it's it's similar uh for uh mma fight boxing match uh wrestling everything you know it's all those were super similar those are the only times i've experienced a similar feeling to uh like what i'm gonna do in an mma fight so definitely not kissing a girl okay <laughs> um um how, how do you make how do you make the move from uh, Pennsylvania to Florida, um, financially, like how does a how does a fighter do that? Like, do you, is fighting your full time job, or like, do you also uh, make coffees at Starbucks? No, fighting's my full time job now. But um, when I first started fighting pro, I just graduated college. I was working as a financial advisor for like two months. I got my pro contract, you know, with Bellator, and that we've been talking about for like six months before my very last uh, amateur fight. They, I already knew that they were going to, we were already in talks. So I knew I was going to be on the roster. I knew I was going to be fighting for them. And uh, I thought, you know, they offered me X amount of money. It's not that great. But if I fight four or five times in a year, you know, I can make a, a decent living. I can, I can do this full time. And first year I fought my first time in March. And then I didn't fight again until the end of October. So it was like, seven months in between and I couldn't live off that, you know? So I had to start working part-time gigs, you know, uh, under the table jobs in between, you know, just whenever I could. And it was like, the same thing was with, with college. Like I was training in college and I was trying to go to school and graduate and everything. And I was, I was working just enough to get by. I was kind of doing the same thing with MMA, you know, just enough money to get by bills paid car insurance, utilities, whatever, uh, gas to and from the gym. That's the biggest thing. And I was driving a freaking beater and I was driving a 2004 Chevy trailblazer that was falling apart. Gas lines going out, power steering going out. Freaking, uh, <laughs> I love it. The gas cap rusted and falling off. Uh, transmission blew in at once. Yeah, everything was wrong with this thing. And, uh, I was making, like I said, just enough money to get by. I just got to my next fight, you know, got paid again. And then I was in the same boat once again. Then COVID hit. 
and was out for like 10 months, you know, and then I fought again in August and then I fought again. I got a short turnaround this time because my contract was coming to a close and fought again after that. But this whole entire time I was still picking up like part-time jobs, uh, like maybe doing electrical work. Um, just like my, my cousin like worked for like landscaping and stuff like that. Like sometimes if they needed extra person, I'd go jump in. I was working security every weekend, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, and then I was even working as a detailer, uh, at a, um, car lot. So a used and new car lot. I was using working as a detailer there. So I was doing all that just to get by and still train and fight. I was still doing just enough to get my bills paid. So that way I can try and still train two to three times a day. Uh, after my fourth fight with Bellator, that's whenever I started making like good money, my fourth fight was making good money. And then I got my contract renegotiated after my fourth fight going into my fifth fight, the last one. And that's whenever I started making like really good money. So now I'm like full time making good money doing it. You know what I mean? I still haven't fought since April, but I'm, I'm still good, you know, and I'm supposed to fight. Hopefully if they're going to keep the word on this, but they told me end of January, early February. So I was supposed to fight this past weekend. Uh, November 12th in Hollywood and couldn't get the fight. So that's the next one they're saying. So, so you're healthy again. I'm sorry. I, I was under the impression that maybe you, you still were licking some wounds. You're health. You're healthy enough to fight now. Yeah. So I was out after my, so I actually, I guess I, like I said, uh, herniated my disc before I fought Tony Johnson at the time. I thought I like tore my hamstring. So I was just staying away from sprints. So I was like, I got like two, two weeks left you know, until the fight, I'm not about to pull out. So I fought, started training again after my fight and it just kept getting worse to spread all the way down to my foot. And, um, there was actually a time in the fight too, where I shot a, a takedown where I felt like something in my back pop and it, it got worse at that moment. And then I feel like started training again after that happened in a fight, that's whenever it just exponentially got worse. And, uh, I was like, all right, I gotta go get an MRI. So I got an MRI on my hamstring. They said it was okay. So then I got my pelvis, my lower back. They told me I had two herniated discs and uh, I ended up doing physical therapy. They told me I'd be good to go in like two to four weeks, two to four weeks go by. I still can't like sit down for long periods of time. I can't lift, bend my leg whenever I'm sitting down. It was bad and did like two more months of physical therapy. Still wasn't getting better. And I got a um, cortisone injection. They wanted to wait until, that was like last resort before surgery. And after about like two weeks after that, just resting for two weeks, I was good to go. So I still do. I have to maintain it now. I ice it usually after every practice. I do inversion therapy, stretch, all this other stuff. So I just got to take care of it now. But uh, I've been training since the very beginning of September, maybe the very end of August. And so I was ready to go for November. And there's actually a card December 3rd, which I'm staying ready for right now. So if, if somebody pulls out, something pops up, I'm, I'm only like 12 pounds overweight. I can make weight. That's the only thing I'm worried about. I'm in shape. I'm going five, five minute rounds really hard. I'm in really good shape right now. So waiting on that call. If somebody pulls out December 3rd, maybe fighting December 3rd. If not, end of January, early February, they said they're trying to pin down the date right now. How do you like that inversion stuff? Do you, do you like being upside down? Does it, does it actually work? I think it works, you know, uh, definitely, it definitely works while you're doing it, you know, but I think the benefits you're going to see from it, you have to do it frequently. 
you know, where I was doing it every day, twice a day. And I, that was part of my physical therapy regimen. Like I, it was, I was doing it separate, but I was going to physical therapy. Then I was doing that and it progressively got a little bit better over time. You know what I mean? But it still wasn't enough to train. So that's why I got the shot, but uh, I'm still doing it now. And like, if I ever feel any tightness in my back or I feel a flare up in my like lower butt or higher hamstring, uh, cause that's where it really starts at. Uh, and I do that for like two days, you know, I'm, I'm usually good to go after that. So I that's think it's awesome. Hey, do you know who Nick Rodriguez is? Yes. The wrestler, he just turned jujitsu to call him black yeah. belt slayer. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so he's, he's coming on the show tomorrow. And so I'm researching you guys at the same time. And shit's getting all – you guys are very – in my mind, I'm probably going to get destroyed in the comments for this. Uh, in my mind, you guys started getting all mixed up because you both have – he's he has this uncanny confidence, and you have this uncanny confidence. And there's the you before the fight, and then there's the you like during the fight, and in the post-conference, it's just like, you know, you, you, you there's a you, – you idle high. Like now you're not idling high, but in, in a lot of your media, you idle high. And definitely when you're out there, you're idling high. And he's the same way. Has anyone ever compared you to, to you? No. 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 Oh. This is the first time. First. Yeah. yeah it, it's, um, it's, uh, it, it was a trip. And then, and then on top of that, Matt's like, Matt had you, I guess Matt, uh, Matt's the producer of the show. He had you guys confused too. He goes, okay, so we got Nick tomorrow morning. I'm like, no, we got Dalton. And then I'm like, oh shit, did I get them that conf- switched up in my head too? Anyway, it's, it's, I think it's a compliment to both of you. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's really good. I remember when he first came on the scene, he was doing ADCCs. He beat a black belt, uh, first and second round ADCCs. And he was a blue belt at the time. You know, that's, that's the wrestling background for you. You're a good wrestler. You have good talk pressure. You hold people down. Jiu-jitsu comes easy. You know, yeah. jiu-jitsu players hate it. They hate it. They hate wrestlers. They hate to admit that they're, they develop quickly. They always just want to say, that's not, that's not jiu-jitsu. That's wrestling. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm still beating your ass. <laughs> <laughs> when you're pinned down, don't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, my kid's jujitsu instructor, uh, has told me that, Hey, very soon you should get the boys into wrestling. And I said, why? He goes, cause that's where the grit is, man. That's where, that's where you develop the grit in wrestling. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah. You're never going to do anything harder in your entire life. Still to this day, I'm fighting MMA and don't get me wrong. When you get tired and people are throwing punches at you. Yeah, it sucks. But wrestling, there's never going to be anything harder that you do in your entire life. As long as you go to a, like a, a wrestling school that has a good wrestling program. They know what they're doing. The coaches know what they're doing because wrestling practice can be as easy as you make it. You know, that could be with anything, but if you're going to the right school, you have the right coach, the right partner, it's going to be the hardest thing you do in your entire life by far. You were, you were born in Pennsylvania. Yes. Um, and where in Pennsylvania? Uh, I was born in Sharon. I'm from Newcastle, which is about 45 minutes North of Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, t- tough area. Um, tough as in how? Uh, economically, um, the schools, the 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 family life, the yeah, you know. Newcastle, Newcastle, yeah, it's a in need town. I a lot of people that there grow up poor. I grew up very poor, but uh, it's yeah, it's 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 definitely a poor town. Uh, definitely tough. People have it tough growing up. There's a lot of projects and stuff there. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's run, it's pretty run down. 
Uh, and, and, and are your are your parents still together? Um, my dad passed away five years ago, and my mom lives in Arizona. I haven't really spoke to her since either. So, how how did your dad pass? Uh, he was on his way home from work on his motorcycle one day, and a drunk driver pulled out of a bar and t-boned him. At the same time, as he was driving. He was going straight on the uh, road. Uh, the bar was here. Drunk driver pulled out and just t-boned him. He flew. They said sixty to eighty feet off of his bike into a mid- intersection. Uh, he lived for like two weeks after that. He was in the hospital. You know, they thought everything was going to be okay. Just a lot of broken bones, but then something went wrong during surgery. Uh, he was on like his fifth or sixth surgery, and then he started getting sepsis and skin slippage and all this other stuff. So he ended up his organs started failing, and uh, he passed. Uh, were you living with him at the time? I just. Honestly, I just moved out because we just got into like a huge fight about something. Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It sucked. But, uh, oh, dude. Out and, uh, then that happened, you know. And usually, and me and him have gotten, gotten fights. We were super close. We got in fights a lot. You know, we were both a, a lot alike, hard headed. And, uh, we'd, we'd always get in fights, you know, and then a couple weeks we'd get over it. So it was probably right around the time that we were about to start getting over it. And then that happened. And then we were forced to get over it in the hot, cause he was in the hospital. You know what I mean? Which we would have anyways, but it was just shitty timing. Do you even remember what you guys were fighting over or was it just like, just, a, just another fight? I honestly don't remember. Yeah. We, just, we, we fought about so much stupid shit all the time. You know what I mean? Just because, like I said, we were both so hard-headed. We are so much alike. I get it from him. You know? Um, someone just said in the comment, damn, Sevon, now I got to root for this guy the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it's kind of like out of it, – it, it's so cliche, isn't it? Don't fight with the ones that you love because you never know when, when they're going to be taken from you. Or maybe it's don't not don't fight with them, but like – Hey, you better be careful. You never know when the yeah. last second is. Uh-huh. You watch what you say because you never know what the last thing you say to somebody will be. And then every time I hear that story in my head, I'm like, that doesn't happen. Shut up. It, it, it happens, you know. Luckily, luckily, we got to hash things up, you know, beforehand for that two weeks in the hospital and stuff. But, uh, yeah, man, it sucks. Uh, and you don't have kids. No, I don't. But you, but you have an awesome girlfriend. Yes, I do. Yeah, that's cool. Congratulations. Do you guys live together? Yes, we do. Um, I, I want to get to that, like what it's like managing a, a relationship when you have to be so like, you know, uh, focused. But um, so do you feel um, alone in the world with, with your mom in Arizona and not talking to her and your dad gone? No, I... I mean, it, it sucks, like, my dad not being around and everything. You know, there's a lot of times where I find myself almost, like, calling my dad so as I have his number in my contacts, you know. But, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of good friends and stuff back home, you know, a handful of good friends that helped me get through that. And, uh, like, growing up, just because me and my mom never really got along, you know, it was always, like, a bad relationship. And my friends and my friend's family always – like helped me a lot out a lot growing up, you know what I mean? So super grateful for them. And uh, 
I mean, if it weren't for them, I'd probably be in a worse place right now. You know what I mean? If I didn't have their support and everything, and especially after my dad passed, you know, they were all, all there still. So, uh, I don't feel alone because I have, I have them, you know what I mean? Obviously they're not down here in Florida with me. Uh, they're all in Pittsburgh. So, I mean, they were pretty much the only thing that was hard to leave back there, but, uh, no, I, I don't feel alone. And I have Gina here now as well. And yeah. uh, she, she's a really good girlfriend. She's supportive of me as well. And, uh, you know, she has her own thing going on too with CrossFit and she's trying to make it to the games and everything. And uh, she's down here training full time as well. She actually just left for the gym herself. No shit. <laughs> no shit. Do you, so Worldwide. this is fucking hilarious. Uh, I, so Dalton, I was, uh, I, I worked at CrossFitting for, uh, 15 years. I, um, I was the executive director of their media team, uh, and, um, I, in the most, uh, humble way possible that I can say, I don't think that there was, I mean, I started with the company when there were 300 gyms, I spent every day with the CEO. I stayed there until there were 15,000 gyms. And I, I, I think maybe to this day, there's only maybe three or four or five people in the world who know more than me in, in the ins and outs of CrossFit and uh, in, in terms of the, the company. And, uh, and, and Matt Susan, I met because he owns CrossFit Livermore, which is, you know, 70 miles north of me. Mm-hmm. So that's a trip to hear that your, that your girlfriend is, has uh, CrossFit Games aspirations. That's hardcore shit. Yeah, that, that's her goal. She has Wadapalooza coming up. Wow. Nice. She's at CrossFit hype over in Boca. Wow, that is that is what a what a what a thing. So okay, so she understands, man. So you you kind of found someone. You guys don't fuck around. There's not a bag of gummies in your closet. You guys know <laughs> about eating. You guys know about sleeping. Uh-huh. You're with another uh, person who who wants to be a machine. Mm-hmm. She doesn't. There's. I go on these little. Uh, you're talking about like gummies and shit in the the cupboards. I go on these little stints and shit where I'll go. Uh, I'll do like two cheat meals, one two cheat meals a week. She won't touch any of that. She won't like. We we go out to eat. I'll get a, a burger, some chicken parmesan, pizza, whatever. You know, <laughs> on Saturday night she gets salmon or gets a salad or whatever. You know, she's always sticking to her diet. You know, I I give myself one or two treats a week. Or she doesn't give any at all, you know. And, and what does she do? What's her day? Does she have a day job? Uh, no, she does some nutrition stuff, and uh, then she help her mom owns a Christmas or a Christmas. Uh, she owns an ice cream store. Uh oh, in, in the Cranberry area, Pittsburgh area, and uh, she helps her out with like social media and the marketing and stuff for that too. Does your girlfriend have big old forearms? Did, did she used to scoop ice cream? Uh, she has big arms, period. Not just forearms, but yeah, she used to roll ice cream and shit. Yeah, those fucking ice cream scoopers. The same people, the 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 guys who cut meat. What are they called? What what are meat butchers? Meat? Butchers, butchers, and ice cream scoopers. Those guys. I mean, if you put if you put in the time, you look like Popeye. Um. So so you're. To, to tell me about um, uh, growing up in this family that, that was back to that helped you. Is that why you pursued sports as a kid? Were you like, okay, this is my way out or this is the way I can. Like I, I had a friend who lived in West Virginia and, and they didn't have running water or shower at his house growing up. And so he said he knew that if he was good in sports, the other parents would like him and that he could go to their house and shower. I was like, wow, that's fucking, that's the hard way to get a shower. 
<laughs> it definitely wasn't like that for me. It was just, you know, good friends, you know, and uh, caring families of theirs. You know, they, they kind of treated me like I was their own kid. So that helped out a lot. But, yeah, I definitely – Definitely wanted to play sports my whole entire life, you know, uh, growing up, especially growing up poor and like in a like run downtown. My town is definitely not like something to be proud of. You know what I mean? You know, I'm I'm happy for my my upbringing and everything. It made me who I am today. But uh, there's there's a lot of bad stuff that goes on where I'm from. And uh, yeah, man, I just. I've always, my dad always preached to me getting good grades for either athletic scholarship or, I mean, academic scholarship or getting an athletic scholarship. And uh, I worked hard at both sports and, and uh, we had in the classroom. You know, I had graduated high school with like a 4.7 GPA. Wow. Um, yeah. I had academic scholarships all over the place. And then I also had athletic scholarships for both wrestling and football. Uh, I initially went to Seton Hill because between it was Division Two wrestling college. Because between my athletic scholarship and my academic scholarship, I didn't have to pay a dime. I was actually getting like five hundred dollars back a semester. And after going there, me and the coach having a falling out. You know, I did very well there wrestling. I was like twenty three and four on the season, and I was only like halfway through the season. And then I got hurt, tore my meniscus. And uh, really couldn't wrestle. Uh, me and the coach had a falling out over that specifically. He thought I was faking an injury at first. And then next thing you know, I got the MRI, everything I wasn't. And the never apologized, nothing. And not that that affects me at all. I don't, I really don't get care. You know, that I don't need an apology. I'm not the type of, you, you were wrong. I was right. Doesn't need to go any. Hey, Athena. <laughs> Sorry. I got a little French bulldog that's chewing. But uh, yeah, so I, I didn't need an apology or anything. It was just after that, he kind of took things more personal, you know, and every day it was just like we were button heads going into the gym. We weren't getting along. Uh, uh, I was originally supposed to wrestle 197 pounds. I was forced to cut to 184 because our 97 pounder couldn't make 84 after I already beat him in a wrestle off. It was just one thing after the next. And uh the relationship just kept getting worse, kept spiraling downhill and I wanted to get out of there, you know, and essentially, you know, I don't want to blame it on anybody else, but I feel like he made me hate wrestling, you know? So me and my dad, whenever I was trying to transfer them that from there, I was going to either go wrestle at Clarion, going to wrestle at Buffalo university and in, in New York or, but both of those are D one. I would have to sit out for a year once I transferred, you know, cause they both offered me partial scholarships for wrestling as well. And I had some football scholarships and stuff I wanted to do. And my dad looked into those as well. And Youngstown State was one of the schools I wanted to go play football and stuff at after I graduated. And after me and my dad talked for a while, decided to switch to football. <clears throat> and long story short, that didn't work out. Got hurt there playing too. Nothing wrong with the coaches this time, though. It was just my injuries. And uh, that's whenever I got an MMA. But I always knew I wanted to be in the NFL or fight professional MMA. I mean, if I'm being honest, my goal was always the UFC, you know, but I'm with Bellator now, paying well. It's great promotion as well. Um, who knows what the future holds and everything. Don't know if, you know, shit could change tomorrow. But, um, yeah, I was always wanted to be a professional athlete. You know, didn't want to have to work a nine-to-five. Didn't want to be stuck in Newcastle. 
So I, I had to find a way out. And that was my way. What's the protocol to talk about U- UFC when you're in Bellator? What What is the is, – is there things that's taboo? You're not supposed to say what you just said? Are you not supposed to compare the two? Or it's not like that at all? No, I no, I don't. I don't really think. I mean, I'm not sure. Honestly, I don't think so. But I mean, I'm with a great promotion. I'm I'm with Bellator. I'd love to stay with Bellator. You know, the reason I don't know what I said, I don't know what the future holds, is because you know I could be cut tomorrow. I could. You you never know what's going on. You know what I mean? I'd love to stay with Bellator. You know, they're they're doing great behind me, doing great great things. They're um, you know blowing up, getting bigger as well. And uh, I'd love to stay with them. But like I said, you never know what the future holds. You know, I got to keep winning. Uh, everything got to, I got to stay on the right path. So um, who knows? But it's a, it's a, do you know the movie Highlander? I think okay, Sean- so I remember it from Talladega Nights when freaking <laughs> the French dude. Ricky Bobby told the French dude to watch it. I never watched it, but he was like, they were racing at the end. He's like, by the way, I watched the Highlander. It sucked. Uh, well, I, I think it was Sean Connery in it or Mel Gibson. I can't remember, but basically it's a story about there's, there's dudes all over the planet. And when you kill a dude, you get their power. And there, and there's, and then eventually there's only two dudes left and whoever's going to win gets all the power. And um, I, I was thinking last MMA, especially in your in your in your early years, or, or let's even the first half of your career, it's kind of like um, dreams fighting. Every time you step in a ring with someone, your dreams are fighting that guy's dreams, and only one guy's dreams move forward. It, and I wonder if that's true. If if I'm mischaracterizing it, but it, it's so intense when you see two guys who are six and zero. Oh, let's say they have five fight. Let's say they have five fights outside of Bellator that or UFC that are their pro fights, and then they have their first fight in Bellator or UFC, and they're both six and zero oh, or one seven and zero, oh, one six and zero, oh, and they fight. You know, the guy who takes the loss is uh, like his whole trajectory has been changed. It's like you your dream moves. You took his dream from him. I mean, it's. It, it, it is in, in if that's true do you guys feel that pressure out there i mean it's all comes down to just one moment yeah i mean for sure i i don't know if you take the whole dream from them but yeah not the whole thing but it definitely does change the trajectory trajectory for sure you know and whereas like if they won that fight they were straight in the ufc or or whatever but uh, if they lose now, they might need four or five more wins. You know what I mean? And yeah, four or five. five. Yeah, you you never know. It's like, uh, for example, my buddy Josh Frem, who fights in Denver, Colorado. He was he fights for LFA, and he knocked out like three people in a row, like highlight reel knockouts. And he was on the verge of like going to UFC, and they had a title fight lined up between him and a guy named Gregory Rodriguez. And Josh is a very good fighter. He very well could have won that fight. But everybody knows with MMA, all it takes is one punch. And that's what happened. Josh ended up losing. Gregory got his shot up to the UFC. They took him to UFC next, literally, he, I think he fought maybe three weeks later, like on three weeks' notice for the UFC. And uh, that should have been Josh. You know what I mean? So, and then Josh fought, just fought another fight in LFA just uh, a few weeks ago. So, yeah, October. And he's probably going to have to get at least another one. You know what I mean? So it definitely messed up his trajectory. At least, I mean, he sh- he could he could already have two fights in UFC. Where Gregory Rodriguez already has two fights in UFC, but 
Instead, he's two fights in LFA again after that. So maybe away away from going to the UFC. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's so it's it's so intense those fights as a fan. Like you know, these two guys or two gals are putting it just all on the fucking line. And I always wonder, maybe I shouldn't, but I always wonder, like, what's their backup plan? You know. And, and even even Glo- even Glover who just fought right like you know that if he would have lost that fight against Jan that's like that's, that's it that's it he's getting cut that's you know? it yeah you no know, it's for a title yeah. shot you know you take his age into account and the fact that he just lost another fight even though he's on a winning streak you know and this this sport takes no prisoners it's ruthless you know what I mean it's just, it, you could be on top of the world one second and next second you're not do you ever feel bad? You're on, you're, you're on top of a dude and you're mashing his face. Nah, like, really like, like there was a dude who was really fucking good. And I'm trying to think who you fought. Maybe it was in your third fight. They're, they're all getting mixed up in my head, but he was really, he was really good. I want to say you beat him up in the first round. You put, you put him against the um, fence and, and even the comment, you, you never, you're not like, Oh shit, man, the ref needs to stop this. I'm really hurting this guy. Uh, this was uh, as an amateur, this is an amateur fight. It, it wasn't this guy, even though I appreciate the image, Susan. Ah, you can keep playing it, yeah. Susan. It wasn't this guy. It was a white guy. He was bald. Man, he was good. But you just, you were, he, he just wasn't nearly as good as you. Was it a fight? Was it what? Was it a pro fight? I'll, honestly, I can't remember because the first bunch of fights I watched years, I thought they were your pro fights. And then I got into your pro fights and I'm like, oh, fuck, this is all scrambled in my head. Because I'm trying to think. But it was like that. It was a scene like this, except he had his back to the fence and he was on his side and you were mashing him. <laughs> That's why I picked this one because when you're talking about feeling bad, you're just absolutely dominating this fight from the get-go. And I can only imagine what it would be like to have just that crushed pressure and those punches being thrown. It's <laughs> ruthless. Yeah, I, I fought a couple a couple bald guys, so it doesn't really... <laughs> Sorry, but but either way, but that doesn't happen. All three of them, so it doesn't really narrow it down at all for me. I beat up plenty of bald dudes. Beat up plenty of bald dudes. <laughs> ah, shoot, you don't know if it was a pro or. Uh, I I think it was a pro. Was it in Bellator's cage? Oh, buddy, how Dalton? I wish I could. I'm I wish searching. I could tell you. But 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 either way, is there any fight where you're like, oh man, this guy doesn't belong in here with me? This this wasn't this wasn't this is bad news for this guy. I hope God's not watching this one. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I yeah, I've definitely felt like that before. You know what I mean? Where there's been a, a couple where I'm like, wow, like I, I I'd hate to be this guy tomorrow. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's all messed up. There's a, there's a guy I fought, Mark Gardner, after the fight. He had blood all over his entire face. His one eye was swollen shut. He had a hematoma on the side of his head, and it was after just one round. It was just one round. And I seen him after the fight a couple hours later. You know how swelling and everything sets in later. It was it looked horrible. But, but that was post fight. I mean, have you ever been in there where you're giving it to the dude and you're like, shit, the ref got to step in? No. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Like, I mean, part like- of me, part of me, like, I mean, I, I can remember the first time I saw it. Was, I was watching a George Foreman fight. I was probably like in high school. I can't remember who he's fighting, but he's punching the dude and he's looking at the ref telling, like literally telling the ref, Hey, you got to stop this. 
<laughs> and then and then I've seen it a few times in the in in the in the UFC. We had uh, and Donald Cerrone. Say that again. Justin Gaethje and Donald Cerrone, where Justin Gaethje was beating the hell out of Donald Cerrone. He looked at the ref and he's like, "Stop this!" And the ref didn't stop and he kept going. Then he looked at him again and said, "Stop this!" <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. It, we had uh, we had Volkanovski on the show a couple weeks ago, and when I was reviewing his fights, his first two fights in the UFC, man, he was fucking hurting this dude. Man, it was it, it was it was it was it was nuts. It's it's kind of weird as a fan at that point. You realize maybe this is an unhealthy um, uh, pastime watching fighting. Like when you see that shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is pre- it's, it's pretty it's a pretty barbaric sport. I mean it. it think it's too much rules to be barbaric honestly i oh I, good i would definitely like less rules if it were me if i was <laughs> uh i'm looking up the definition of barbaric relating or characteristic characteristics of a group of people who are alien to another no nah, it's not that possessing characteristics no nah, not that one marked by lack of restraint that one works there you, go. <laughs> <laughs> you, you want less restraint what what rule would you change for MMA, I would uh, biting. You'd allow biting? No, absolutely. <laughs> I know. Like that, you know what I mean? But I would allow like knees on the ground. You know, you can't you can't knee an opponent to the face on the ground. Where in one FC, you can. Uh, I, I would I would definitely change that, and then I would change the fact that the ref stops the fight so quick. You know, I I think a lot of time, and you know, there's a lot of fans who are like, oh, that was stopped so late, blah, blah, blah. The ones that they're usually saying are stopped late are usually good stoppages in my mind because most fighters go in there, they want to go out on their shield. You know what I mean? There are there, oh. are, some, there are some pussies, but uh, that cover up and they're waiting for the ref to stop, stop in because they've had enough, you know, and they feel like they can't do shit. They feel helpless. So they just cover up and take their beating until the ref stops it. But if you look at boxing, somebody gets knocked down, they get a 10 count. You know what I mean? UFC, you get knocked down. If it's a clean enough knockdown, the person on top might land one punch before the ref dives in. Right. You know what I mean? Give the man a chance to recover. And if he doesn't recover, let him go, let him, let him go out cold. You know, let, let it be a legit knockout. Oh, and, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm being serious because there's – I know you I know you are. What scares me is that what it, – it, I think my balls shrunk up inside me is that you called dudes pussies in the UFC. I'd be like, man, he would hate to see – you would hate to be in my head. Oh my God. I'd be like the most fragile human being. I think anyone who goes in, there's not a pussy, but there's levels to this shit. Obviously. I mean, you get in there, you get in there. Listen, there's been fights where like people where people were like, that should have been stopped. And the person that got rocked and they didn't stop before comes back and wins the fight. Yep. I've seen it. Yep. There's those chances, but then there's also a chance that they can not get knocked out cold. Either way, it's more entertaining for the for the fans. And either way, the fighter is happier with it. I promise. You know, and like I said, unless they're a boost. How about Bisbing coming back and beating getting Anderson Silva? That was nuts. Yeah, you see it. Like I said, you see, and that, that was earlier. You know what I mean? Where like nowadays they they stop the fight so quick. Where they they let it go on a little bit longer back then. Now it's just like. You know, somebody gets knocked down. It might sometimes it might even look like a slip. You know, like they slipped or they were throwing a kick or or something. And as they were throwing the kick, they're already on one leg. You know, and it's not really a legitimate knockdown, but the person's off balance, and you hit them, and you knock them over. You know, 
it's a lot a lot of the time I, I feel like I, I get so mad watching it, especially because Herb Dean, he stops fights early a lot, a lot of the time, you know. And I even I make comments on UFC's post or MMA junkie, and then people, as soon as I make a comment like that, people are like tearing me to shreds. Like, what are you talking about? That's a good, that's a good stoppage. It's a good stoppage. You know, Herb Dean's a fucking great ref. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And well, like, he fucked up last weekend. Did you see what happened last weekend? Which which fight? I don't it'll take me a second for my old ass brain to remember which fight, but basically what happened is he stopped the fight and then the guys kept fighting and he let them keep fighting for a second. And then the guy looked oh now it was uh it was a it was a black guy against a white guy. Uh, I did um I, I I'll look. But basically he stopped the fight and then say it again. It's a cancel culture might get you just for that comment. Oh no, I don't, I'm already canceled. It's okay. I can say black or white, or I can do whatever I want. I can talk about penis. You said black versus time. white. So there you go. <laughs> you said black versus white. So they might come. You know. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm already. I'm done. That's why I got fired from CrossFit. That's why I got fired from CrossFit. I got canceled. Ola. Damn. Let me, let me look. Uh, I go to Google. That's why that my. That's why this podcast is killing it. Because finally, people can go to a place where it's like it's not that I'm good; it's just that I'm not. I'm I'm already like I'm at the bottom, like, <laughs> so I can just say stuff. I can be like, "Wow, that's a beautiful girl," and everyone's like, "No, that's sexist." Or I can be like, "That's a handsome man," and I'm good. Okay, sorry. UFC schedule, but basically, Herb stopped the fight, and then he it was uh, Holloway Rodriguez. Uh, yes, it was it was Ben Rothwell. Oh, the guy wasn't even black. I got my fuck. I, I don't I see. Hey, that's wow. how fucking you guys see. That's how not racist I am. I don't even know my black, white, Chinese or other. I'm a confused motherfucker. Uh, the guy's name is Marcus Rodrigo de Lima. I guess that's yeah. Brazilian. Yeah, it's Paisal. It's my boy. He trains the ATT with me. Oh, you know that guy? Yeah. So that guy's smart as shit because he fucking knocked out uh, Ben Rothwell. Herb Dean stopped it and then and then let it keep going. And then Marcus is like, dude, you just stopped it. And then he's like, oh, okay, yeah, you're right. And then he goes in and stops it. And I was like, wow, that is some fucking sloppy refing. I don't want to hate on Herb Dean, but like, like, did you stop the fight or not? Like, you can't. I'm do not that. gonna lie, those cards, those calls are probably hard to make, especially with all yes. on you from people yep. like saying early stoppages or that was yes. late, or whatever. So you're putting a lot of extra un, unnecessary extra pressure on the refs. But I think at the end of the day, you know, they should they should come together and form a rule set that makes sense, you know, across the board, you know, regardless of who's refing, regardless of who's fighting, which would be like, if he's out, he's out. If he's not, he's still able to fight. You know what I mean? Which is, is true. If you're, if you're in a street fight and you're not out cold you know, you're, you're going to be fighting back no matter what, even if you're covering up, we are waiting for a chance to, you know, get a chance to fight back, whatever. You, the fight's not over until somebody's out cold. You know what I mean? Nobody's going to step in in a street fight with two freaking savages going at each other like that, where if you step in, you might freaking get knocked out yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let them fight until the fight's over. Um, You had a guy uh, – I have it written here, third fight. I don't know if it was your pro fight or amateur fight, but um, Quentin threw in the towel. Yes, Quentin Schumard. Uh, his, his corner did. And does that piss you off? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, uh, it goes to the same thing where I think they should, but at that point it's in their corner stand. The corner can throw, throw in the towel whenever they want to. 
Right. I can't do anything about that. The ref can't do anything about that. You know? And I was I was whooping that kid's ass back. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> so you're I'll not like that. you pussy, get out here and take your fucking quite long, bro. There was nothing. He had no room to breathe. Yeah. So Okay, you're yeah, you're okay with that. He's not a pussy. That was just like, hey, like that was like live to fight. His, it wasn't even his call, but that he was in a bad way. I was I was fucking him up. Um, in your fight against uh, Zadarko, there was a glove replacement that postponed the fight. What what was going on there? I, I've never seen that in a fight. Just so people who don't know, the fight they basically said go, and then and then the fight was stopped. And it, was it you or him who had Devin's gloves replaced? I was killed. It was me. I had on the wrong gloves. And, and that's up to the commission. You know what I mean? Cause there there's pro fights on the pro gloves and the amateur gloves are different. And I didn't know the fucking difference. I'm four fights into my fucking career. I never even seen a pro glove. Right. You know I mean? And, uh, long story short, the, the difference was, is the amateur glove had a fucking thing to cover your thumb, but they were still the flat faced, uh, knuckle pads, you know? And still the same thing over the finger. It wasn't like the puffy sparring gloves. They were still the same glove. They just had an extra little thing over the thumb. You know? Hmm. So I don't even, they said the difference is it is seven ounces versus four ounces, which I don't believe. There's no way that I looked at two gloves that there may have been an ounce difference, if that, you know what I mean? But they switched it over that. That was an amateur fight and you were wearing pro gloves. That was the issue? Yes. And, uh, that, that was a huge buzzkill because it took them like 10 minutes to get my gloves off and put the other ones on. Yeah. Oh, man. You still mash the guy. Oh, yeah. That, the, the, <laughs> Sucky, the shitty part about that is I, I've known him. I wrestled him in high school. You know, he was a really good wrestler. Uh, wrestled in high school. I beat him in high school wrestling as well. Uh, we were actually both undefeated when we wrestled too. I gave him his first loss. And then uh, we became teammates after that fight. But like we kept in contact uh, after we wrestled in high school, we wrestled with each other a little bit in college. And then uh, uh, I don't know. We just kind of, we kind of became friends after that. And then I had to be at my friends. So kind of <laughs> a little bit, but uh, uh, who caught that and why at the last minute, did, as you're walking by the refs, like, wait a minute, what the fuck is that? Not the ref, the commission would have did it. Uh, the guy sitting at the side and there was a, one of the commissioners had little man syndrome where right? he was like super attentive towards everything. He was cause he's always pissed off and angry. Yeah. I, I completely <laughs> understand. Five, five, one fifty five here. I totally get it. <laughs> Fuck he those was, he was in there fighting. Fuck those bitches. Check every glove. He exercise some power on you. For shit to complain about. So yes. I, 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 there's no doubt he, he's the one who caught it. Don't, um, don't for there. There's all, I, I, I'm totally open to little man syndrome. Don't forget. There's tall man syndrome too. These are all these woke motherfuckers that are sensitive about everything. Cause no what's one picked tall, on you when you were younger. What's tall man syndrome? What? That's what's what, when you, when you can't, when you're offended by stuff, when I use the, when you, when you're easily offended cause you weren't picked on as a kid and all the girls liked you, that's tall man syndrome. So now you're a grown ass <laughs> man and, and, and like, and you, and you need a uh, gender neutral bathrooms and, and you need the right pronoun used for you. That's tall man. Listen, syndrome. bro. There was uh, uh -oh. the name of the fucking place. It's like a noodle place, something noodle. Uh -huh. And they had, racist, gender, racist. They, they had gender, uh, gender neutral bathrooms in there, bro. Uh huh. It was so bad. I said, I'm never going here ever again. <laughs> and it's, it's not about that. It's about like literally like they're changing the the way things work just because they're offended. 
for one. And two, now it's it's okay for a man to go in a bathroom with somebody's daughter. If not if not you, with my daughter. Yeah, I know. If you have a daughter <laughs> and you have a problem with this shit because you have a daughter and you don't want a man going in the bathroom with your daughter, you're you're the sexist one. You're the uh, transphobic one. It's it's not even about that. You just don't. You have a daughter that you're fucking looking out for. You know what I mean? And you know men like that. Yeah, men men do not belong in, in women's bathrooms. Not at all. Any kind of man, even a man who thinks he's a woman, you still don't belong. Even a man who thinks he's a a, a big bird. Nope. You don't. You especially. You don't belong in either bathroom. <laughs> I think people people look too far into things. You know. They read. They read too far into them. It's it's not about hating. No, it's not about hating at all. It's not about not wanting your daughter to be in it. It's not. It's about not wanting a man to go in the bathroom with your daughter. Yeah, you know, somewhere of privacy. Yeah, because they want to. And know men are fucking dirt balls. Like we we we're put on this planet for one reason to fuck, and, and we're trying to mitigate that and be good people while we fucking attend to this fucking desire to procreate. And there's some of us who have struggle mitigating that. And for the better of all of humanity, the, the, the boys with the penises should pee, all pee in one room together. But this penis thing is fucking wild. I'm not, not in a bad way, but it's fucking wild. And like, it, and then it's got these balls attached to it, and the whole fucking thing wants to do its own thing. Just let them have their own space and keep them busy. Don't let them hang out on street corners. <laughs> Did, did your parents ever tell you that you shouldn't, that they didn't want you to fight your, your mom or your dad ever express that to you no. or your girlfriend or your girlfriend? No, I wouldn't oh. listen to anybody anyways. <laughs> quiet, quiet. I'm going to fight. Um, what I had something else. So um, tell me, um, was the plan you started fighting as an amateur at two Oh five? Yes. Just cause I didn't want to cut weight. I, I like pizza too much. And, and, and- <laughs> It's crazy because you were so shredded at 205. It's nuts to think you made it down to 185. Uh, does that really hurt? No, I, honestly, I'm walking around lighter now. I only weigh on a good day 200 pounds, you know? It, yeah, that's me at 185. Yeah, that's nuts. Shredded. shredded. Talk about people dropping out of fights. I'd have seen that picture. I'd have dropped out of the fight quick. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You're built. That's, that's only for like a night or two, though. I, <laughs> I, I, I get some pizza in me, some burgers, milkshakes, and you don't see any of those abs or anything anymore. <laughs> Do you feel good right there? Like, are you like, okay, my brain's working okay? My, I'm not cramping. Like at 185, you're, you, you. No, bro. I feel, I feel perfect. I feel phenomenal there. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's, I think it's perfect weight for me. You know, I feel great. And you look good too. Like even when I saw Kamaro weigh in the other day, um, his face looked a little sunken in. I yeah. haven't seen that from you, or uh, you know, you especially used to see it in Connor when he would try to go down to one forty-five. You're like, oh shit, he's got some of that like famine look on going. Yeah, I get it a little bit. My my fake face sinks in a little bit, but nothing beyond like uh, what seems normal. Right. Know? Yeah, you look good there. You look healthy there, even after that cut. That's 205 or that's 185, that one? That's 185. Do they make you wear that mask there? Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think they are too, but, uh, <laughs> you know, political shit. Um, there was – in one of the press conferences that I saw you were wearing an American flag over your shoulder. 
is is that your idea and, and and why did why were you wearing the american flag i mean yeah that's my idea uh i couldn't find it for i don't know what i because i i moved recently to florida i couldn't find it before one of my fights and uh I, I I walked out to my second and third fight, and then my fourth fight I didn't, I think, and then my fifth fight I did again, which is that one. Uh, you know, I'm I'm big in support of the the military. My dad was a veteran, uh, but that's not the only reason why. I mean, we wouldn't be where we are today without like all the soldiers that put their lives on the line for this country. You know what I mean? And uh, I mean, part of this country's, I mean, this country built on freedom. You know what I mean? Which arguably is being taken away today but uh you know that's that's what makes this country great and um, i'm in huge support of our country and a, a lot of people nowadays like to say that anybody wears an american flag is racist you know what i mean but I, you, you can label me that if you want to you know i know it's true not true um all my friends know it's not true. Anybody that knows me, not true. I'm going to support the country. I'm going to support the military. I'm going to support the police. I'm going to support everybody that makes this country a great place. So uh, I, I feel like the flag's a good representation of that. Yeah. In my mind, the flag represents um, liberty. And, and and what's cool about this country is, is if you want to be racist, you can be racist. And if you want to be loving, you can be loving. If you take one away, the the if you if you take the rights away from the people, you'll lose all the rights. Meaning, no one likes hate speech, but you can't make it illegal and still be for freedom of speech. You have to let people be free. It all flies under the banner of being freedom free. And if there's a guy down the street who's running, who owns a pizza place, who's racist, none of us are going to fucking shop there, and he's going to go out of business. Yep. It's it's not it's not it's not our fucking problem. Yeah. But you have to remember that when you start taking rights away from people, eventually your rights will be taken away. Someone will say, "Hey, I don't like people who wear black t-shirts," and you, and, and 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 those will be made illegal. But that, that, hey, that's the magic word now. They offended. It's yeah, like, fuck offended. Whenever we were younger, parents were like, "What's the magic word?" And you say, "Please." It's the magic word. <laughs> that's the magic word now. Offended. I'm offended. <laughs> Well, that is the truth. It is. It is the if it is. It is. It, it, this is truth. That being offended is the opposite of success, and it's the opposite of enlightenment. It basically just shows your ego. Anything that offends you just shows your weakness. Get, drop it. Quit it. Stop mm-hmm. it. And uh, like you said, the, the we have freedom to do anything in this country, and that goes for everybody. Uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of the. Um, you know, problems in the world nowadays and most of the political topics are focused on white men, you know, and us being white man, white men. It's of course, people are going to be like, of course, you feel that way, blah, blah, blah. And we're, we're going to be targeted at some more. But if we spill the truth, we're labeled as racist, sexist, homophobic, what, whatever. But at the end of the day, I feel like we get blamed for almost anything, which is like growing up, you know, people forget how people grew up. When I grew up, I grew up in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, half the population is white, half the population is black. It's pretty, I want to say at least from, I, I don't know the numbers for sure. Somebody could probably pull up the numbers and fucking rip me a new asshole. You know what I mean? But from my own experience, from people I hung out with, the people I was surrounded with every day, it's pretty half and half. You know what I mean? And, I grew up experiencing a lot of racism and people are going to be like, this isn't racist, whatever. It's not, this doesn't exist. Cause I've heard it all before. You know what I mean? But growing up as a white kid 
in Newcastle, where I, at least the part where I was living at, where I would go to the North Hill basketball courts and I'd be the only white person there because I had two or three black friends I was hanging out with. And we they'd be like, let's go play basketball. I'm like, okay, let's go. And then I get there. And then all the people that already are already there, like, who's this white boy? You know, white boy, this white boy, that. I had to get into this point where like, they weren't letting me play basketball. And people are going to be like, oh, you're white. You can't play basketball. You know, you're not even good. Racist, but, right, racist, not, true, you know, racist, but, true, yes, racist. But, even if I was, <laughs> but uh, it wasn't even about that. It was about the fact that like, <clears throat> they, one, they wanted me to prove myself because I was white. Two, I, you know how many times I've had, I've gotten a fight down there because I was white. You know, people were like, somebody get this white boy out of here, blah, blah, blah. And I got jumped. I've gotten fights down there. You know what I mean? All, all the time just because I was white. You know, people and and those people down there admitted it wasn't it wasn't a, a topic of what the fights were about. They would literally tell you at the time this was 12, 13 years ago. They would literally tell you it's like, I don't like you because you're white. You know, it was like at the time they were it's, they were OK with saying that. You know what I mean? And they're probably still OK with saying it. Oh, they're totally OK with saying that. You know, I grew up in the that, same that's, that's I grew up a lot in the same way in high school. Somebody, yep. If I tell somebody that nowadays, if I put that out there and say that people are going to call me a fucking liar and people are going to say I have white privilege and also shit. And it's like I didn't grow up privileged. I grew up poor. I grew up very poor. You know, I had to wash. And you were harassed by the police whenever the fucking washer washer broke and hang drying. Yep. The dryer was broke too. You know, I ate ramen noodles every freaking day during the summer. You know, it's like, and I got free school lunch. You know, I everything that everybody else got. You know, I wore the same three pairs of clothes to school every single day. Wore the same pair of uh, shoes two, three years in a row. You know, I, I didn't grow up privileged at all. And like people, like because I'm white and because I'm doing well for myself now, they automatically assume I'm privileged, you know, and I grew up well. It's not how it is. Yep. Uh, I, I, I used to get pulled over by the police all the time as a kid. Anytime I hear these stories about how cops are harassing black people, I'm like, dude, I could tell you a thousand stories where cops did that to me. And uh, that, you know, and I have a thousand stories, you know, uh, where I'm at a concert with my girlfriend and she's black and the black dudes come up to me and tell me if they see me put my arm around her, they'll fucking kill me. I've been in line at McDonald's and they'd like be like, Hey, go outside and stay out there till we're done ordering. And you know what? My friends and I were just used to it. Like we didn't even care. Like that was just the way it was mm-hmm. growing up. And, and to tell you the truth, those words of like thoughts of racism and any of that never even entered my mind. I just thought, Hey, this is what it's like growing up as a young man. Um, but I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's complete. What it is, is there are these, there are these, there are these white people out there and black people but let's focus on the white people there are all these white people out there who are racist and feel guilty for being racist and so they want to point it and they're the minority and they and, and they want to point at the rest of white people thinking that all what that all white people think like that we fucking don't fuck off and for black people who are playing the fucking victim mindset you need to fuck off too i think kanye was saying it recently you better stop fucking thinking about black history month and start thinking about fucking black future yeah, it's fucking it's it's absolutely a waste of time. It's what keeps it alive. It's what keeps it alive. Mm-hmm. So. And and I mean on top of that, there are a lot of like shitty people. There are a lot of bad cops. There's sure. A and a ton a ton of good ones though too, right? Every every category. A lot a lot of a lot of good cops, but there's there's definitely where like the, the part part of what's being said is true. You know what I mean? A lot sure. of exaggerated, but part of it's true. 
Like people gotta like acknowledge that part of it is true. I've seen I've seen it before, but it's happened to me. Like I said, when I was younger, but a lot of time, cops are just fucking rude and fucking dickheads to kids. You know what I mean? But then when you're an adult, there's some cops that like if you're black right away, they start treating you like shit because you're black. You know what I mean? Where there might be the other eighty. 5% 5% of cops just te- treat everybody like shit. And you might have 10, five, 10% of cops that are actually fucking nice and try to do their job while coming across as a nice guy, just doing it professionally. But you, like I said, you got the, the cops that are, are racist. And anytime they see an opportunity to treat a black person like shit, they will. And then you have the, the cops that treat literally everybody like a piece of shit, but it only gets, um publicize whenever it's a black person you know what i mean man just stay away from cops they're like bees let them do their fucking job <laughs> you know like don't mess with the flower when the bees in it hey did you end up getting a blue check mark nope not yet still they don't they don't have someone at bellator who just is like okay this is our guy and they call and they do but like uh that like last time that I said something about it, they're like, all right, we got a long line of people that have been waiting for it and we're putting it in for this person and that person. And it's always something else. You know what I mean? I just figured I'm like, by the time that it gets around to me, Instagram will just verify me by then. So, um, you know, what's really interesting? you know, what's interesting about the talk we just had is I don't think most um, people in your position would talk about black or white or gender or not gender. There's like this or, or the American flag. And that's kind of what they want, regardless of like whether you agree with me or you agree with Dalton or don't agree. The thing is, is that the discourse needs to be had and people just can't be scared. And that's that's what's happening. There's this bullying coming from the woke crowd that wants us to be scared to even talk about it. And it's like ah, that that's not going to fly. The problem is the woke crowd and cancel culture and everything. It's not anybody else, you know. We we could have this conversation civilly without anybody getting offended about it. Right. Yep. Like for me, um, I won't be silenced. I'm going to tell you like what I believe in, whether you agree with me or, or not. It doesn't make it right or wrong. You know, everybody has different opinions. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm not going to change my opinion for anybody else. I've seen it. I've experienced it myself. Yeah. Your experiences might be different than mine, but I've, I know what I've experienced and right. at the end of the day, it's all about perspective. So if people can't understand that, then you're never going to get through to them in the first place. So there's no point in having a conversation with them. Yeah. You can't complete a conversation with hate. There was nothing hateful said. Right. An open conversation. Yeah, no I, all, I, all I talked about was my childhood, what I experienced. Yeah. That, that, that's pretty much about it. Um, at the end of one of your fights, I saw, um, and then and then the video cuts off. You say you want to fight Dylan Dennis. Did I hear that right? Yeah. Um, did you have a run-in with him somewhere or on, on the internet that something happened where you're like, this guy needs a foot in his ass? No, I just never really liked him, so I was just trying to call him out, trying to build up a fight, you know what I mean? And He's too small for you, though, isn't he? So he's a welterweight, but he's never fought at welterweight. He's always fought at catchweights of 175. You know what I mean? So in my mind, okay. until you make the 170 pound limit, 170 and under. So the way it is, 155 is lightweight. 156, you get a one pound allowance. So 156.1 all the way up to 171 is welterweight. Right. No matter where you weigh in at that range, that's what weight you are. So. 171.1 all the way up to 186.0 is middleweight. So he's a he's a middleweight until he makes that welterweight 
limit. And even at that point, you know, he's talking like he's Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor jumps up weight classes. Jump up 10 pounds. You've been weighing in at 175. Jump up 10 pounds to fight me. You know what I mean? You're I don't think he wants any of you, man. But he, he definitely doesn't, bro. And I then, think you're a little too much. Uh, um, uh, I'm going to say it. Man for him. You're just. <laughs> I mean, you're the bull. And, and I mean, you're a fucking bull. He's not so much a bull. Yeah. he. I mean, I don't mean it disrespectful to him, but you, you just have a whole different thing going. Yeah. He. Uh, at the time, it made sense, you know, and he wasn't saying anything back. He wasn't uh, – we were under the same management, you know. He didn't want the fight. And then now, just recently, he started saying shit back, you know what I mean, where he started he started going back and forth on Instagram with me. But uh, that's just as of recent, and nothing's going to come of it. He's just going to be a troll like he always is. He's going to say he can beat people's ass, and then he doesn't do anything about it, you know. Who is your management? Uh, Sucker Punch. Oh, no. okay. I did Brian see Butler. that. I did see that. How is that? How how did how does a um? Do you choose them or do they choose you? Uh, I mean, I choose them, but I so I was with a uh, different management before. And long story short, uh, my manager. I mean, not so much the management company, but my manager himself wasn't really doing much. And uh, I met Brian about a year ago maybe a little bit longer, a year, year and a couple months. It was after, it was after my fight with Ty Gorder and I was with another company. He didn't say anything about trying to like, he didn't try to poach me. He didn't say anything about managing me. We just bullshit and have normal conversations, just like two bros. You know what I mean? And where at the gym? No, this was that, uh, Mohegan sign at one of my fights. Okay. And, uh, then I seen him at my next fight cause he was cornering somebody else on the card. He had another fighter on the card. So we, we talked then, we bullshitted again then. And then he came down to American Top Team to, uh, because Rose was doing a seminar somewhere in Southern Florida. So he stopped by because he has a couple of fighters at American Top Team, Sabah, uh, being one of them. And uh, when he was there, bullshitted him again. And just he always just seemed like a super genuine dude. He seemed like he was doing great things for Sabah. And, uh, you know, he's never, like, tried to be a snake or uh, – really doing anything grimy like towards like poaching me or from my manager or anything. So after I left my manager, that's when I decided to hit him up and uh, ask if he would manage me. You know what I mean? Because I, I felt like that was the best move and I felt like he was the best, best person for me. Do you need a manager if you're going to be in the fight game? I mean, it's not a necessity, but it's a smart thing to do, you know, because if you don't have a manager, promotions are going to take advantage of you both negotiating, negotiating with money and with opponents, you know, they're just going to throw you to the wolves and it's not about whether you can beat them or not. It's just about, you can't keep having wars over and over again. You know what I mean? Where it's like, you have a three round war with this person, you win, you have three round with war with this person, you win against them too. And then you keep doing that fight after fight, your career is going to be eight fights long. You know what I mean? And it's all about, picking the correct fights excitement wise, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to hurt your stock by fighting somebody that's going to be boring and is going to wrestle the entire time. And that's not going to be any, any action whatsoever. And at the like, same time, you don't want to fight somebody that like you see it in heavyweight fights all the time. Like Derek Lewis, he has knockout power, but how many strikes does he throw in a fight? You don't want to fight somebody like that. Who's just going to be super reserved and yeah, you could beat him. 
but it's going to be a boring fight. You want to gain fans. So it's about taking the correct fights, not for skill wise, but for building your career. You know what I mean? And that's, and then sponsorships and everything else. It's, 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 they're pretty important. Uh, like Holloway just had his sixth 25 minute fight. Yeah. See, that's stupid. That's gnarly, right? You know, but he's, he's at the top. So he's, they're going to pretty much at that point, UFC makes the fights that make sense. You know what I mean? There's, there's no way around it. And uh, I mean, they're exciting fights, you know? So, I mean, that's, that's fine. You're, they're five round wars, but yeah, they're exciting fights, you know, if, but if he were to fight somebody like uh, Khabib, Khabib's just going to take him down and hold him down the entire time. Now, granted, Khabib has finishing abilities, but there's been multiple fights where Khabib just takes somebody down, holds him down, doesn't really ground and pound him much, doesn't really do anything. He just holds him down. That's a boring fight. That's something that when you talk over your manager, it's like you're trying to build your stock. You want people to see your talent. You want people to see how exciting of a fighter you are. You don't want to fight somebody that's – granted, there's going to be points in time where you have to do it. But if you do three boring fights in a row, nobody's going to watch you. Right. You know what I mean? Fight that dude whenever you have a bunch of fans and everything, everybody following you already. Is is there is there um is there, is there like a, a chip on your shoulder or an axe you're trying to grind or is there something you use in your day to day life to to keep pushing you through like hey I am not going back to uh um shit I wrote it down here I'm not going back to Sharon or that fucking teacher in the fifth grade said that I'll never make anything of myself I'll fucking show you is there uh, or you're trying to win your, your girlfriend's love. Is there something that's like your, your, a pathology you have like some sort of like psychological thing you keep compartmentalized that you circle around to, to get you up and go hard every day? Just honestly for myself, I don't do this for anybody else. I don't try to impress anybody else. It's not about trying to impress girls. It's not about trying to impress my friends or, or attention at the end of the day. It's just, I love doing this, you know? And I, everything I do, I'm all in, you know, I'm not going to do this if I just want to be one of the best. I want to do this because I want to be the best and I have a long way to go. You know what I mean? There's a lot of shit I got to work on and I'm nowhere near my full potential. I'm nowhere near as good as I want to be, you know, and I'm far, I, I want to go down as one of the, literally one of the greatest of all time, not one of the greatest right now. Like I want to be in talks with one of the greatest of all time and I got a long way to go. You know, and every morning I wake up and I know that. So it's like, what am I going to go to the gym and do today to get closer to that? Yeah, I'm five and oh. Yeah, I've never lost a fight, but that doesn't make me the greatest ever. I still have make mistakes in the gym. You know, I still, uh, I don't win every round like they say Khabib does. You know what I mean? I lose some rounds in the gym. You know, I, I, I want to get to the point where I'm the best at everything, you know, and it's, highly unlikely that'll ever happen but it's something to you know strive for and something to work towards every single day is it do you and do you treat your life like that too your lifestyle like hey i'm no matter what i'm fucking going to bed or um i i'm not going to eat that or is your whole life centered around that are you constantly tweaking or or you know do you train every day do you miss days are you like oh i got to go to the dmv today that's more important or is it just you're really on that path. No, I'm on that path. It's like I I eat, sleep, and train it. You know what I mean? I, I live it. I um, 
like I said, I have one cheat meal, maybe two cheat meals a week, but those are one, a cheat meal. I feel is essential to your diet and essential to losing weight for one and two. It's a treat for me. You know, I, I need that in my life to stay happy, but I'm eating clean 99% of the week. Uh, I, I sleep nine, eight, nine hours every single night. You know, I, uh, I've never drank alcohol a day in my life. I've never done any drugs. I've never smoked weed. I've never done anything. And these are all things. Wow. Yeah. I never done any of that. You know? You're square as shit. Yeah. I've never, never even had a sip of alcohol, never smoked weed, never did any drugs, nothing. Never even. You aren't missing shit. You never chewed tobacco? No. Damn. You are a good dude. Fuck. You're a parent's wet dream. That's awesome. Yeah. So I never did any of that. And that's all pretty much just for the purpose of trying to attain my goals and be the best I possibly could be, you know? And at the end of the day, if I don't achieve it, you know, I know I did everything possible to do so. You know, I can, I'm not going to be saying, what if, what if I wouldn't have done this? What if I would have done this? You know, it's, uh, I don't want to be, I don't want to be saying what if. So everything I do is revolved around this recovery, training, uh, sleep, diet, you know, like drugs, all, all that shit. Everything is uh, dialed in with me. Damn, you're good. How did you meet your girlfriend? Uh, we honestly, it's, when, when I say I don't drink, this is the funny part because I never get <laughs> bars. But right after COVID, uh, like everything opened up in COVID. Like this was like, so COVID shut everything down in March. They started to open everything up again at the end of May before they shut everything down again. Uh, me and a couple of my friends that I trained with decided to go to this place called the bamboo bar. Cause they have like, uh, uh, sand beach in the back where you play volleyball and like, uh, beer pong, but it's like with life side, it's like vo- volleyballs and trash cans. Okay. So we went there and I went just to hang out and I was being the DD and she was there with her friends. So that's how I met her. Wow. And, 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 and did you know you liked her? Like, did you know it was going to be, how long ago was that? A year and a half, maybe. And did you know how, when did you know, like, oh man, this is the, this is a keeper. I don't know. Soon after. Um, yeah, my therapist now, bro. Well, I, um, <laughs> here's, the, here's the part I'm tripping on. You, how, how you're, how you're, how you're, how you're 26. Yeah. Like, so if you at 26 is like that age where like your girlfriend shits shit like to you, like, oh, you're looking at that other girl or are you cheating on me or who texts you? And like, you're doing maybe that shit to her. Like, I just can't see how that mating game and those insecurities have any, and, and, and obviously maybe you don't have those, but I don't see how those have any place with a professional athlete. Like, do you know what I mean? It's it seems like such an energy drain. Like, wouldn't it be better just to be a monk and be like, "Hey, I don't, I'm not into girls until I'm 40." I've been in relationships. You know, it, it affects you mentally, and it you just you literally. When I say energy drain, you literally wake up the next day underslept. You, you yeah, stressed out. Stress stress affects your recovery. Like I I wear whoop now. I'm sure you you're. Uh, familiar with it and it with the whoopee your, yep. your, your rate, rest and heart rate all that now they're coming up with a 4.0 it shows your uh your body temperature blood oxygen level all that um like whenever you're stressed out your hrv goes way down and your rest and heart rate sometimes is spiked you know it, it literally affects your body internally 
it's not just your mind, you know, your, your mind's off, you're not focused, but it's also affecting the way your body's performing. And, uh, then you just never want to be around that. So like you're coming, you're coming home from practice or something, or whether it would be class back then or college or whatever. And you just want some peace and quiet or to hang out with your friends or something. And you're coming home and dealing with that, you know, and then it's like, you can never escape it. So now I'm, I don't deal with that at all now. So, uh, she doesn't ever, she doesn't ever really give me a problem about any of that. So, but well. she's a girl. Oh God, I'm going to get fucked up here. Can I get she's double canceled? But she's a girl. She got to have her menses every month and she got to get like crazy once a month. Doesn't she like, like, no. like you're still with the girl. No, yeah, no, no, no. Honestly. And I'm not being like a dude that's just trying to hide relationship problems. It really doesn't happen. (laughs) Yeah, she sounds like an asset. She has value to you in the relationship rather than a liability and a drain suck. Yeah. I just think that that, that this is to both men and women out there. If you are going to date someone who is singularly focused and is like a professional athlete, you have to like tuck away all your insecurities. So like let's say I was – trying to be uh, become the world's greatest fighter and you're accusing me of cheating on you. If you're my girlfriend, you either need to keep that to your fucking self or just accept the fact that I'm cheating on you. Like I am who I am and I'm the train going down this path. This isn't fucking 90210. This isn't the fucking bachelor. This is like, like there's a special, it takes a special breed. I think to deal with, uh, to, to be a supporting character in a professional athlete's life. You yeah. guys are not normal. You're not like greatness is not normal. Like be right. like all the girls in the world could see Dalton and be like, he's so handsome. He has this amazing body. He's such a great fighter. Let me tell you like, but he's not, it's not, it's like the same thing with the Ferrari. You think it's cool until you need an oil change and you have to send your car away to Italy for two months and it costs 80,000 bucks. Like that's how <laughs> Dalton, like I'm getting, these people aren't normal. There's, am I right or no? You're just a normal dude that eats burgers. No, you're 100% right. You're spot on. And I've never seen it, heard anybody else say it besides a, like another fighter. It's an, it's not something that many people understand. You know, um, if I, if I were dealing with that, I, I, I'm like I said, I'm focused on my career. So if I were dealing with that, I just trust me, I would no longer be dealing with it. Yeah. yeah. If you, if you want to be with greatness, you have to understand the greatness is going to do what it's going to do. And if you, you, you can't, you, 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 you don't be the person to try to stop it. It's a huge fucking mistake. That's not what greatness wants. You can just, I've been around really, really great overachieving people and you've got to just be, just go along for the ride and enjoy it. Get over your fucking self. And I would see fucking people who couldn't do it, just get trampled. And it's like, Hey man, in the end, you're just missing out. Just like, it's awesome. It's awesome being a supporting cast of great people. It is awesome. It's like going to a good fireworks show. <laughs> Newcastle is good for fireworks. It's the firework capital of the world. It's is one, it? One, one thing that's good for where I'm coming from. Where I come from. Yeah. Did you ever have any bad uh, like Roman candle fights or any M80 go off in your hand or fucking – is your hearing all fucked up? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was pretty responsible as a kid. <laughs> of and course. I, you didn't drink and do fireworks. When I looked up some stuff on Newcastle, uh, Newcastle, Pennsylvania, it literally says the world and firework. It, it literally says it's also been rated the worst place to live in Pennsylvania. Ah, uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> literally, it says it right here. I told you. 
Yeah, 11th highest unemployment rate, like crazy. Yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of people fake stories and shit just to try and gain fans and all that. Like that's, I I I could say we would we would need a whole podcast just to talk about everything (laughs) that went on in my life and just about that growing up in that town. Period. Yeah, wouldn't even be able to talk about any fighting or anything else. Like if we wanted to literally talk about that story, it would have to be just that. Okay. Top five times time rate. <laughs> hey, w- will you make a deal with me then, or at least uh, uh, deal with me? Will you entertain the proposal that after your next fight you come back on and we talk about your upbringing? We talk about about Newcastle. Yeah, let's do it. I'd love to do that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, thanks for the hour and forty minutes of your time. This guy Dylan Vowell gave the show forty bucks. What this dude just it, I appreciate the hell out of you guys getting these awesome up and coming fighters on. Can't wait to see them at the top. Me neither, Dylan. Uh, anyway, dude, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I got you in my Google alerts, so I'm tracking any news stories on you. Um, I'm excited to hear about your uh, curious who you're going to fight next. I hope it happens uh, sooner than later. And um, and we'll, and we'll, we'll get thanks, Paul. As well. Appreciate your time.